0: This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 346. The Benefits of Being Rebuked I never enjoy being rebuked by someone else, but over time I've come to see the faithful rebuke of a friend as something of great value. The scriptures tell us that the right kind of rebuke is an important way in which God cares for us and in which we care for each other. From Psalm 141 May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice Set a guard over my mouth, Lord Keep watch over the door of my lips Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil Let a righteous person strike me, that is a kindness Let them rebuke me, that is oil on my head my eyes are fixed on you, Sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. The kind rebuke There have been times in my life when people have rebuked me out of kindness. It's never easy at the time, but on reflection I'm so grateful to them. David regards the rebuke of the righteous person as kindness like oil on my head because his desire is not only his head, but that every part of his body and his life should honour God. First, lift your hands. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. The lifting of hands to God symbolises an opening of the whole body to God. Second, guard your lips. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I often pray this before I give a talk or go into a meeting. That God will protect me from saying anything unhelpful, and that my words will be an encouragement and a blessing. Third, watch your heart. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. Your thoughts become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character. Your character becomes your life. It all starts in your heart. Fourth, fix your eyes. My eyes are fixed on you, O Sovereign Lord. We are urged to fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord, I lift my hands and voice to you in worship and fix my eyes upon you. Set a guard over my mouth and lips and keep my heart from evil. New Testament from Revelation 3 To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens no one can shut. What he shuts no one can open. I know your deeds. See I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you kept my word and have not so that no one will take your crown. To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The Loving Rebuke Jesus loves you. When he allows you to go through the fire of rebuke, testing or discipline, he does so out of love. He says to the church in Philadelphia, It's you that I've loved. I'll keep you safe in the time of testing. He says to the church in Laodicea, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. How should you respond? First, make the most of every opportunity. Jesus is holy and true, and he holds the key. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. If you are unsure about, for example, a job or relationship, ask God to shut the door if it's not right and to open the door if it is. On at least two occasions in my life, God has closed the door on something I very much wanted and which I believed at the time was God's will. Praying and struggling, I tried to force the doors open but they remained shut. I was bitterly disappointed. But years later I'm very grateful and now I understand why he closed those doors. However, I'm not sure I will ever know this side of heaven why God has closed other doors in my life. The Spirit continues, See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Sometimes God places before you a door of opportunity. If he opens the door, No human being can shut it. You may come under great attack, but if Jesus opens the door, you can be confident that he is in control. This does not mean passively waiting for the doors to open. Often, we have to take the first steps in faith. It's rather like approaching automatic doors. You have to take a step forward before you see whether or not the doors open. The church in Philadelphia has little strength yet it has kept Jesus' word and not denied his name. They have endured patiently and Jesus promises to keep them from the hour of trial. Humanly speaking, this church does not appear to have been particularly impressive yet Jesus has no words of criticism for it. His perspective can often be very different from ours and faithfulness to him matters far more than outward signs of size or strength. His message is simply, Hold on to what you have. He promises that those who overcome will be made pillars in the temple of God. His name will be written on them. Your future is utterly secure. Second, open your heart to Jesus. The harshest words of Jesus are reserved for the church at Laodicea. The church in Laodicea was like so much of the church in the West. At one level, it was successful. Laodicea was a place famous for its banks and industry, but spiritually they were proud, lukewarm, wretched, pitiful, spiritually poor, blind and naked. I find these words deeply challenging. Yet there is hope here. We are still loved by the Lord. He urges us to acquire real treasure, refined in the fire, so that we may become spiritually rich. The only way to cover our shameful nakedness is with his robes of righteousness. We need his salve on our eyes to remove our spiritual blindness. As we go through the refiner's fire, it is a form of discipline. It has a purpose. He wants us to be earnest and repent. It's in this context that this wonderful and famous verse is found. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Eating together is a sign of the intimate friendship that Jesus offers to all those who open the door of their lives to him. There is only one handle and it's on the inside of the door. In other words, you have to open the door to let Jesus into your heart. Jesus will never force his way in. He gives you the freedom to choose. It's up to you whether or not you open the door to him. If you do, he promises, I will come in and eat with them and they with me lord i repent of the times when i have been lukewarm half-hearted complacent and spiritually poor i long for a greater intimacy with you come and fill me today with your holy spirit old testament from esther 2 to 5 when haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honour. He was enraged. Yet, having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adah, and to plunder their goods. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. Then Esther summoned Hathach one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. Mordecai told him everything. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathet went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But thirty days has passed since I was called to go to the king. for such a time as this. The Wise Rebuke My father was Jewish and many of my Jewish family perished in the concentration camps during the Holocaust. But antisemitism is not a recent phenomenon. Here in the book of Esther, set in the 5th century BC, we read of appalling antisemitism. Esther had to keep her background a secret. Haman wanted to annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and little children on a single day and to plunder their goods. Mordecai's response was to tear his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes and wail loudly and bitterly. Effectively, he was calling on God for help. Mordecai realized that Esther, his adopted daughter, was in a position to make a difference. Esther pointed out the problems of her situation and how it would be very difficult for her to help. Mordecai's response was, in effect, the wise rebuke of a parent. Don't think that just because you live in the king's house, you're the one Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent, you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. Esther realized that God had put her in that position for a purpose. You too have a purpose. Many people go through life without meaning or ultimate purpose, trying to pursue their own agenda, not realizing that God's purposes are so much better. You are alive today in order to fulfill God's purposes for this generation. Whatever position you're in, believe that you are there for such a time as this. Esther listened to Mordecai's wise words. She asked the people to fast for her and said, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. There is risk involved. We only have one life. We have to go for it. If we perish, we perish. But better to take the risk than never to have tried. May we rather be like Esther, utterly dependent on God, And willing to risk our lives to save the lives of others lord help me to listen to wise and kind rebukes as i go through the refiner's fire purify my heart that i may love you more fully seize every opportunity of life and serve you wholeheartedly pippa adds esther was not just a pretty face She was someone in the right place, willing to make a daring stand against injustice. She didn't do it alone, and she didn't rush in. She prayed, planned, and made it happen at the right moment. She used a brilliant mixture of bravery, faith, and skill. Are there any opportunities for you to make a stand against injustice?